And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And the phone number is always 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Appreciate you being here. And, Manda, we have a lot of news for you this morning. By the way, you can find out more about me on the Dan Manda Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter at Dan Manda Show. So we've got a couple of headlines out there just very quickly to kind of show you where we are going. Uh, Ron DeSantis, there have been a lot of headlines out there that have been um, really talking about DeSantis and how his campaign is in a lot of trouble. There is a new article from earlier today or yesterday, I guess. In Politico, where it does show that even more of his big time campaign donors are now fleeing his campaign. And so DeSantis continues to at least it sounds like according to Politico, DeSantis is continuing to spiral. So that is one of the stories that is out there this morning. Gas prices on their way up again. So that is also a very big story today that we'll talk about. And really, to me. The biggest story out there right now is regarding the 14th Amendment. We've been talking about this all week. Big news out of out of Colorado as a liberal group has now officially filed the lawsuit to keep Donald Trump off the ballot in 2024. Now, the reason why this particular story is important is because this particular liberal group, they have a lot of uh, connections. They, they have a lot of money and financing and a lot of you know, really high, um, you know, big names in the world of politics and uh, the legal world is uh, embedded in this particular liberal group. You know, we've seen some of these lawsuits filed in the past, you know, a couple of uh, months, but they've been, you know, what some people would say anyway, would be sort of, you know, either fringe group or, you know, liberal fringe organizations or fringe individuals. But this particular liberal group, again, is a very powerful and they are based in Washington, D.C. This is the story out of the Associated Press, a liberal group on Wednesday, yesterday, filing a lawsuit to bar former President Donald Trump from the primary ballot in Colorado, arguing he is ineligible to run for the White House. 
uh, again, under a rarely used clause in the U.S. Constitution aimed at candidates who have supported an insurrection. The lawsuit citing the 14th Amendment is likely the initial step in a legal challenge that seems destined for the U.S. Supreme Court. More on that in a second. The complaint was filed on behalf of six Republican and unaffiliated Colorado voters by the group Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Again, they talk about these few fringe figures. While a few fringe figures have filed thinly written lawsuits in a few states citing the clause, the litigation on Wednesday was the first by an organization with significant legal resources. It may lead to similar challenges in other states. We've been talking about this all week, holding out the potential for conflicting rulings that would require the Supreme Court to settle. Now, one question is, what would the Supreme Court do in this situation? We really don't know. We do know that a number of the justices were appointed by Donald Trump. It is a very conservative court. That is a good thing. Colorado's Secretary of State, a Democrat, Jenna Griswold, saying in a statement that she hoped this case will provide guidance to election officials on Trump's eligibility as a candidate candidate for office. So that's the story. And, and the story, this is going to be something that we are going to be hearing a lot about over the next, I mean, it's going to be months, but this will be expedited. At least I certainly hope that it will be, because this is something that is gaining a lot of traction, not only on the left and for the progressives, but also the media. Now, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, I like him a lot, points out, of course, what we've all been saying, that with all of these misdeeds of Hunter and Joe Biden from the DOJ deal that fell apart to the accusations of bribery and tax evasion and influence peddling, it is crazy that there's so much of a focus on Donald Trump. You don't get to make illegal money dealing with China, Russia, Ukraine, and then hide that income from the government. This is an administration that wants to hire 87,000 IRS agencies to come after you, but then ignore that the president and his crooked drug addicted son are making millions off the worst and most dangerous countries on the planet and neither reporting it or paying their fair share of taxes on it. You've heard that expression. Oh, we have. We've heard it many times. And so, again, you just you go back to the 14th Amendment. You go back to, as Mike Huckabee is saying, all of these, um, you know, accusations and investigations into Donald Trump trying to use the 14th Amendment to prohibit him from running again. And, uh, you know, you have all of these, as Huckabee said, all of these misdeeds of Hunter and Joe Biden. The media is virtually ignoring it. I mean, it is ironic that Hunter's crimes had to do with taxes and guns as the left tries all they can to take these guns away from us. Hunter Biden gets a gun after lying on the background check forms. Yet nobody on the left says a word. Now, this 14th Amendment, uh, Section three, going back to this, it disqualifies or bans you from holding federal office if you have taken an oath of office. As an officer, then engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same, the government, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. Now, the 14th Amendment, it was ratified in 1868 
helped ensure civil rights to freed slaves and eventually for all people in the United States. But it was also used. This is a little background. It was also used to to prevent former conservative, I should say, Confederate officials from becoming members of Congress after the Civil War and taking over the government against which they had just rebelled. In other words, if you were somebody who was serving in the government, then you take part in an insurrection, then you are disallowed. You're not allowed to go back and serve in that same government again because you rebelled against that government. But see, the the question is, was January 6th an insurrection? No, that's number one. And number two, was Donald Trump responsible for or did he take part in that insurrection? Again, I would say no. And so the clause cited in the lawsuit out there in Colorado allows Congress to uh, lift the ban, which it did, by the way, in 1872, as the political will to continue to bar former Confederates dwindled. The provision was almost never used, they say, after that. The complaint in Colorado asked the court to expedite the matter so that it can be resolved before the state's primary ballot is set on January 5th of 2024. Now, you'll notice that while Trump continues to do better and better in the polls, this now comes out because here's what I've noticed. Trump is doing a lot better. And as Trump is doing better then the the hyperbole, all of this screaming and, and the shouting and uh, all of the folks on the left just cannot understand why Trump is doing so much better in the polls, despite the fact that he has all of these indictments. And so all you ever hear I- I these days is that Donald Trump cannot win the general election. This has been something that has been going on for a long time. Well, now the polling comes out and it is very favorable for Donald Trump. And now suddenly the lawsuits start flying like the one here in Colorado. And so Mike Huckabee says, yeah, you know what? This is not really surprising. The media won't really report honestly on this whole thing. They're willing and complicit partners in crime by lying about Donald Trump and simultaneously hiding Joe Biden from any accountability for his using the office of vice president as his personal business account and transportation company to jet him and family members all over the globe to collect checks from foreign government tied businesses. We hope and pray that as the unmistakable facts continue to dribble out about the corruption, the equally corrupt media might finally grow a backbone and a brain. And that even some Democrat lawmakers will have all they can stomach of this disgusting abuse of power. You know, I we have seen this disgusting abuse of power from people on the left, from the folks on the left, really since Donald Trump uh, came down from the escalator announcing that he was running for president. And they really haven't been reporting on it at all. I mean, on occasion, you might see, you know, the the story, a story that comes out. But really, they've been virtually silent. They've been virtually silent on a number of things. The media has, as Mike Huckabee reports on his TV show. Uh, Number one, they're silent on, you know, Hunter Biden and uh, all of the, you know, all of the corruption, all of the allegations of bribery and influence peddling. They they, they don't really get into the details. All a lot of these outlets will say is that, you know, there's no evidence when in reality there's a lot of evidence. 
And so the question is, what exactly is it that they're afraid of? Well, it's obvious what they're afraid of. They're afraid that they're not going to be able to beat Donald Trump in the election. So they're going after him in the courtroom with all of these various cases and indictments. But it's this last comment that made a lot of folks stand up and take notice. Mike Huckabee spoke about what will happen if these lawsuits are actually successful. Listen to what he says. This is really interesting. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. Wow. Did you hear that? It'll be the last election that that is decided by ballots and not bullets. I mean, that's a that's a I mean, I don't know what intriguing comment, maybe. But you see, I don't know if he's he's wrong. I mean, there there might be some hyperbole there, I suppose. But if you think about it and, and listen, folks, as a talk show host in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and a guy that speaks to folks all across you know, the country as a talk show host, either on red eye, filling in, whatever it is. I know a lot of Donald Trump supporters, and and there's a couple of different ways that they will respond if they are actually successful in getting Donald Trump off of the ballot. They could have an actual insurrection, which is not something that I would recommend, or they'll just say, you know what, this is proof that what Donald Trump said all along is actually true. That the swamp is the swamp and they're going to get what they want and they're going to prevent me from running regardless as to what's right and what's wrong. Or if he's guilty or not. And so a lot of those Donald Trump supporters, a lot of those those supporters that are just brand loyal to Donald Trump, they won't support Ron DeSantis. They won't support Vivek Ramaswamy. They certainly won't support Mike Pence. They'll just go away. And that's not good for the Republicans. That would be very good for the Democrats. And so either way, Republicans lose and Americans lose if the Democrats are successful in getting this done, getting the former president off the ballot, utilizing the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And I am kind of curious, you know, my 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 talk show hosty kind of question for tonight, if they are successful in getting Donald Trump off the ballot and he he ultimately exhausts all of his legal possibilities, his legal maneuverings. How would you react? What would you do? Because a lot of people are talking about it this morning. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here on Red Eye Radio. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hotshot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number can be is 40. Through years of testing, Hotshot Secret has found the average cetane number across the nation is between 42 to 45 and most modern engines are built in tune to operate best with a cetane number closer to 50 
This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up, to keep the engine operating at its best while helping with fuel economy and DDF regeneration cycles. Add Hot Shot Secret Everyday Diesel Treatment, a 6-in-1 fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting your fuel system. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's Everyday Diesel Treatment at HotShotSecret.com. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED Eye is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Just going back to this comment from Mike Huckabee, former uh, Arkansas governor, and I I do find this uh, really interesting, and it's now picked up a lot of traction in the media for his comments about uh, what the next election could be as it relates to a lot of these folks on the left, these liberal groups trying to get Donald Trump off of the ballot heading into 2024, utilizing the 14th Amendment. Uh, Again, this is what he had to say. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. You know, it is uh, interesting because it, it, it I don't know. It sounds a little bit like a threat. And, and certainly Huckabee is the last guy to, you know, make a threat like that. I understand what he's saying, though. Because there's a lot of people that are out there that will look at this, what they're doing to Donald Trump, and they are going to be absolutely I mean, there's no other way to say it. They're going to be horrified and, and really, really angry. Now, the good news is I don't really believe that these efforts utilizing the 14th Amendment will be successful. I I just don't with the current makeup of the Supreme Court. 
we do have a very conservative Supreme Court. And, and I do think this will be something that will be decided quickly and in favor of Donald Trump. But when Huckabee says that, it, it sort of begs the question, OK, so if you're a Donald Trump supporter, what would your reaction be? I mean, I, I personally I just I don't believe that it's going to pass. But I am I am genuinely curious as to what you believe uh, will be the reaction of Americans, reaction of uh, Donald Trump supporters. And by the way, I, I will tell you, in case you haven't picked up on it, I am a free agent. I am absolutely a conservative. But when it comes to, you know, the Republican primary, I'm a free agent. I, I, I know I'll tell you right now who I'm not going to vote for. I'm not going to vote for Mike Pence. I'm not going to vote for Chris Christie. Uh, Nikki Haley, more than likely, no. To me, right now, you've got Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump. Those, at least to me, are the big four. But if they if they are actually successful in pulling Donald Trump off of the off of the primary ballot in some of these different states, like they're trying to do in Colorado, there's efforts going to be in other states as well. Basically, what Colorado is trying to do, and I covered this in the previous segment, basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to give sort of like an example case, like guidance for other states on how they, too, can eliminate Donald Trump from the, um, you know, from the ballot. But an interesting question, and this is, again, what I'm asking you, what will your reaction be? Will you never vote again? The curious statement about Mike Huckabee and, you know, elections being decided by bullets. Maybe he maybe he means legal bullets. I think that's probably what it meant. Legal bullets, because that is ultimately what the what these progressives and what these Democrats are trying to do. But but that is the question for, you know, for for you, which is what are you going to do if this drive is ultimately successful? Will you vote at all? You know, remember, one of the things that Donald Trump did was he brought a lot of people back into the fold politically, people that had lost all faith in politics. They decided to come back because Donald Trump brought them back. Would those people just abandon the process yet again? 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you listening. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. By the way, Gary and Eric, they return next Sunday night, Monday morning. And uh, 14th Amendment definitely in play. We've been talking about this since uh, the beginning of the show. And, you know, this comment by Mike Huckabee has garnered a lot of media attention because, number one, I, I think it, it just it sounds alarming. That's number one. But number two, it's very uncharacteristic of Mike Huckabee. And so I'm going to play this audio by one more time, and then I'm going to go and I'm going to take your phone calls as to what will your reaction be if 
Donald Trump is taken off of the 2024 presidential primary ballot because of what happened on January 6th, utilizing the 14th Amendment. This is what Mike Huckabee said on his TV show. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. Ballots rather than bullets. Now, as I was thinking about this comment, because, again, it sounds alarming to me. I don't believe that we're at that point where people are going to start, you know, rising up and, and you know, grabbing their guns. And in this case, in uh, in Colorado and going out and, you know, doing the unimaginable to some of these folks that are trying to, you know, take out Donald Trump politically. I, I just I I would never advocate for that. I would never encourage that. And I would hope that it would never happen. But I would also hope that it would never happen that progressive groups and activist groups and and, you know, these kinds of people that absolutely hate Donald Trump and are terrified of everything that he represents would utilize legal bullets. Lawsuits and so forth to prevent a guy who has roughly 50 percent of the American people wanting him to be president. So the conversation can go both ways. And so the, the question that I'm posing for you folks tonight at 866-90-RED-EYE, number one, what do you what do you think Mike Huckabee meant by all of this? That's number one. You know, do you think he literally means bullets or is he talking about maybe legal bullets, that kind of a thing? That's number one. Number two, what will your reaction be if they do pull Donald Trump off of the ballot in uh, 2024? Do you have an alternate? Who is your alternate? Is your alternate DeSantis? Is your alternate Vivek Ramaswamy? Is your alternate Tim Scott, who I really like? Again, I am an absolute uh, free agent in all of this. Or will you just walk away because you know that this is going to be just another example of how Donald Trump was right and the swamp is the swamp? 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. I want to say hello to this is Mike calling from Florida. On Red Eye Radio. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm all right. Go ahead. So I think we're giving up the we're giving up the argument. Why did we even let it get this far? There was no reason that we should even have let this be an insurrection. So anybody that was a Donald Trump supporter would never have interfered with the handful of states that were going to stand up and say this might have been a, a a questionable election. So it's an inside job from the beginning. Why don't we have answers about how many people are on the inside that actually interfered? How many how many federal agents were involved with with pushing people into the inside of the of the so-called insurrection? Well, and and, and my and, why are we giving and, and hey, hey, Mike, if I if I may, there, there's a lot of questions. Why didn't and yeah. I covered a lot of this last night? Why did Nancy Pelosi not accept the additional security? Why didn't they tell the head of the Capitol uh, security about all of the threats that were uh, incoming? He had no idea. He was completely blindsided by what happened on January 6th. So, Mike, you, you are well, absolutely sure. right. An inside job. Well, and, but here, but and and I uh, last thing I want to last thing I want to say on this, Mike, is. A lot of this will be litigated in Georgia, in Fulton County, I believe. I believe that the uh, president now is going to have the ability with all of these various lawsuits that he is now going to be able to have his day in court. But be, beyond all that, Mike, because I, I we could talk about this all night, but I, I want to know specifically of what 
will your reaction be if they are successful in pulling Donald Trump off of the ballot? Are you going to uh, walk away from the political process? Do you have, you know, somebody else in mind? What would you think? And what do you think about Mike Huckabee's comment? It can't possibly be. They can't possibly pull him off the ballot from from this 14th Amendment thing because they're already convicting him. They can't they can't pull it off on a on a on an allegation. That's ridiculous. It doesn't it doesn't allow for the for the um, for what do you say for for the normal pursuit of, of the justice. due process. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. Do, and, and you're right, Mike, and I appreciate the call. So part of what, what I would say to that is that this is part of the due process. Right. So uh, Donald Trump would, you know, he would get his day in court. This whole thing would uh, ultimately end up in front of the Supreme Court. And as I've been saying, you know, a number of different times this evening so far is I think that it, that this dies once it gets to the Supreme Court. But, you know, at least for me, the more that you see the fact that now this is a, a very they're being described this uh, organization that is doing this. They're being described as a very powerful, progressive political organization. Carol is in where all this is going on in Lakewood, Colorado, on Red Eye Radio. Carol, what do you think about all this? Well, personally, since I am a Republican, so is my husband, and we voted for him twice, I don't understand how the Secretary of State can pull him off the um, ballot because what what are we going to vote for? Because they still have he's still innocent until proven guilty. Everyone's saying he's guilty, guilty, guilty. So, you know, I don't understand how they can even bring this all this stuff up, especially well, here, since the since Democrats here have just totally destroyed Colorado, and I'm so sick of the Democrats right now. Well, let me ask you: is uh, is is this a big conversation going on in uh, Colorado? Well, I until I've heard about it today, this is the first time I've heard about it. And the thing is, I was a Democrat in 1968. I got sick of the Democrats. They are not Democrats anymore. They're communists or something. If they're taking Trump off the ballot, it it keeps us from voting for him if he's put on the ballot. Right. You know. So, so do you have a back? Do you have a backup, Carol? So let me ask you: Do you have a backup in case, just in case? Uh, Trump isn't on the ballot. What will your reaction be? Because, see, here's the thing. I believe I believe that their one of their goals, obviously, is to get Donald Trump off of the ballot. But their other goal is to you know what this really is. If they're if they're successful in doing this, this is voter suppression, because a lot of Trump supporters will just go home and and they won't vote at all. That impacts not only the presidential election, that impacts the the down ballot um, elections as well. Well, they're they're basically um, rigging the rigging the election again. Uh, so what would you do? So, is, Carol, my so my question is, what would you well, do? Would you would you vote for someone else? Well, probably. But the thing is, we voted for Trump twice and we're we like to vote for him again the third time because the whole thing was so weird um, in 2020. Well, oh, very weird indeed. And Carol, I appreciate that. There's a lot of weirdness. A lot of weirdness in 2020. Yes, there was. Uh, Rick is in Oakland, California on Red Eye Radio. 
Rick, go ahead. How are you? Hoping you're keeping your head down there in Oakland. Uh, yeah, doing pretty good. Although the weather is really flaky up and down. Uh, I'd like to suggest ex- exploring a, a nonviolent strike, a nation- nationwide strike. Just stop. Uh, I don't know, you know, at what point, maybe if Trump gets uh, incarcerated or um but at some point, you got to recognize that this is um, there's no uh, second candidate that's going to come up if Trump is taken out. I, I would suggest a nationwide strike. Just stop, like airline pilot. Hey, Rick, anchors. and and hey, Rick, I I get where you're going with that, and and the only thing that I would say in response to that is. You will be impacting, though, then your own bottom line, your own money. You'll also be impacting fellow conservatives who depend on, you know, whatever industries will be impacted for their own uh, financial well-being. So I I, I get what you're saying, but I I just I don't know. I I don't even think Donald Trump would recommend that because, of course, he is a guy who has always been uh, very much part of the free market. But I I do appreciate the call. Uh, Let's see here. Diane is in Los Angeles. On a Red Eye Radio. Diane, what do you say yeah. about all this? Hi. Yeah, well, um, I'm just, uh, bottom line, I'm just so outraged. It, like, uh, watching this happen, will somebody stop this nightmare? No one can ever have imagined that this would ever happen to our country, to our democracy. I've respected every president, whether or not I've elected them. They want to undermine our rights. This brewing, um, you know, deep state, they have been planning this out for decades, clearly, because they would never have had the power to do it. But the bottom line, and um, I just, it's a nightmare to me, but if they succeeded, which is what you're, the hypothetical, yes, in 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 taking him off the ballot, et cetera, what they've succeeded so far in doing is is unbelievable. But if they succeeded, basically, I agree with the last caller. Nate, and I understand what you're saying about the financial consequences, mm-hmm. but at that point, we will have gone over the line where they have taken over this country and taken over our democracy completely there's no turning back we have to fight back and there has to be there has to be protesting um so civil disobedience and strikes non-stop because this is too serious it's the future i'm because this isn't about donald trump it isn't it's about the future barca well you're you're right uh diane i appreciate you calling from los angeles this is not about donald trump Well, let me put it this way. It's not only about Donald Trump. It's about the millions of people who want to, and you've just heard from a few of them, who want to vote for Donald Trump. But it's also, as Diane said, it's also about the future of our country. Because look at the train wreck that is Joe Biden. Look at what he has done to our country. As opposed to the four years with Donald Trump. I mean, Joe Biden has absolutely train wrecked every single aspect of his presidency. 
from the price of gas to foreign policy. I mean, you just I mean, I could go down the list. You could talk about the border. You could talk about the economy. I mean, I could go on. Well, I do go on and on. We all all talk show hosts that are you know conservative in nature talk about what is going on with our country. And it's not it's not a, a partisan hack kind of a thing to say when you look at what's going on with our economy or with our border or with the funding of Ukraine. I mean, there, there's there's so many different now in some of those, there is certainly a debate on both sides. You could talk about, you know, whether or not we should be funding Ukraine at the levels that we are with no accountability. Both sides have legit points in all of that. But there is no debate. There is no debate when it comes to what's going on on the border. Did you hear Eric Adams? Of course, you know that he is the mayor of New York, the hapless mayor of New York. Coming up, perhaps in the next hour, I'm going to play you some incredible audio from the mayor of New York, who is basically saying that the city's done. Because of all of the migrants or illegal aliens that have been shipped into the city of New York from places like Texas. 866-90-RED has the phone number. 866-907-3339. Got a lot more. Straight ahead. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. want to say hello very quickly to uh, Rick in Evansville. I'm sorry, Ron in Evansville, Indiana on Red Eye Radio. Ron, how are you? This is Brian. Good, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I, I just want to say right now this country is badly divided. And if the left do something stupid like, take Trump off the ballot and just slap in the face of, of millions of his voters. You, you think the summer of 20 when, when um, what's the guy in Minnesota got killed by the police? George Floyd got killed. Man, man we will be at each other's throat, man. It, it'll be all kind of chaos in the streets. And, you, and, you know, and, and you know, and you know what I would say is that it it would be the left that would be starting that fight. Not that I'm advocating for violence, but it would be the left that started that fight. The problem with him, they feel that he's going to win because they scared of that. Oh, you're absolutely right. I appreciate the call. I'm sorry I had to cut you off, but you're right. They are afraid that he's going to win, which is why we're going to see more of these lawsuits. Thanks for calling in. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HowesProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. Appreciate you being here. The phone number is always 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. And you can find out more about me on the Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN. There's a lot going on uh, today. One of the biggest, at least to me, is this uh, move out of Colorado, a liberal group has now officially filed a lawsuit to keep Donald Trump off the ballot in 2024. It's all about the 14th Amendment. And one of the things that I find interesting is the legal eagles that are out there uh, battling back and forth, you know, on TV. You know, who is right about the 14th Amendment? You've got, you know, some legal analysts that are saying that the 14th Amendment being utilized in this way. There's absolutely no way that it will work in keeping Donald Trump off of the ballot. Others say it will. But see, now what's happening, this is part of the conversation today. Uh, First of all, um, Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley is a guy from uh, George Washington University. I know that Gary and Eric, uh, they play his audio sometimes. I certainly uh, follow him on Twitter and I play his uh, audio as well. And he is a guy that has been on a lot of the networks these days. He is a full-time analyst, I believe, on Fox News. And he is on record as saying, he is on record as saying that he does not believe that the 14th Amendment applies to this case involving Donald Trump. Here's part of what he had to say. And again, he is a constitutional attorney and a legal professor, constitutional professor at George Washington University. And he says on Fox News, I think that it's the most dangerous theory that has emerged in decades. I think it's entirely unsupported uh, by the text and the history of the 14th Amendment. This provision was written after the Civil War of an actual rebellion where hundreds of thousands of people died. It is notable that Trump has not been charged even with incitement let alone rebellion or uh, insurrection. And yet they say that this doesn't even require an act of Congress, that any judge can simply announce that he was supporting an insurrection and that he is therefore disqualified. Yeah, so, so a lot of people listening to Jonathan Turley, by the way, Alan Dershowitz, and I know you've heard his name. Uh, He also says that this particular movement regarding the 14th Amendment and keeping Donald Trump off of the ballot based on that 14th Amendment is unconstitutional. So you've got Jonathan Turley. And again, he's on Fox News. CNN has a guy named Lawrence Tribe. Now, Tribe is a legal analyst that is far more left leaning than Jonathan Turley. And by the way, I, I will remind you, and I've said this many times, Jonathan Turley is actually a Democrat. Jonathan Turley has not voted for Donald Trump ever. Donald Trump is all about the Constitution. I should say uh, Jonathan Turley is all about the Constitution. That's what he subscribes to. That's what he talks about. Lawrence Tribe, and and this is part of the news cycle this morning. If, If you Google Lawrence Tribe, you'll see that he had some very Harsh things to say about Jonathan Turley and his legal analysis analysis. This is part of what he had to say uh, earlier tonight on uh, this was on CNN. Mr. Turley doesn't know what he's talking about. 
the fact that there was no charge of incitement, no, no, no conviction, that's not the point. This provision was written specifically as an alternative saying whether you're convicted or not. And they didn't expect people to be convicted under President Andrew Johnson after the Civil War. Whether you're convicted or not, that's a separate matter. But if you engage in an attempt to overturn the government, you shouldn't be entrusted with power again. Now, he says hundreds of thousands of people died. How many have to die before we enforce this? There were several who died at the Capitol during the insurrection. That's all nonsense. It is conservatives like Judge Ludig and members of the Federalist Society who agree with me. I'm afraid that Jonathan Turley is basically a hack. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. Wow. So Lawrence Tribe is actually calling Jonathan Turley a hack. Now, realize what a hack is. A hack is basically somebody who is, uh, you know, performing the role of an analyst. But really what they are is they're essentially a spokesperson for a particular side. That is the exact opposite of Jonathan Turley, because he has taken he has taken sides against Donald Trump before. He is a Democrat. Donald Trump is a Republican. So I would say to Lawrence Tribe, you may be in some circles a respected attorney, but your analysis of what Jonathan Turley is is completely off base. And I think that you ought to look in the mirror uh, on who is actually a hack, Lawrence Tribe, because you, sir, are more of a hack than Jonathan Turley ever has been. I mean, all you have to do is look at the history of Lawrence Tribe. He, he had a few more things to say about what is going on with Donald Trump. And it, this was uh, his legal analysis of Trump's situation. Lawrence Tribe on CNN. Mr. Shirley doesn't know what he's talking about. The fact that there was no charge of incitement, no, no, no conviction. That's not the point. This provision was written specifically as an alternative saying whether you're convicted or not. And they didn't expect people to be convicted under President Andrew Johnson after the Civil War. Whether you're convicted or not, that's a separate matter. But if you engage in an attempt to overturn the government, you shouldn't be entrusted with power again. Now, he says hundreds of thousands of people died. How many have to die? Now, one of the other things that he said, and I, and I thought it was interesting, was he, he goes on and he starts talking about other provisions that you have to meet if you want to be president of the United States. For example, you, you uh, have to be 35 years old and, and so or and you also cannot serve uh, two terms as uh, over two terms as, as president of the United States. They cut you off at two terms. You got term limits. And he and he said basically, well, what if somebody wants to come along and he wants to serve a third term? What if somebody comes along and he's only 30 years old, but he wants to be president? Well, my answer to that question, because he is talking about at some point, the Constitution has to come into play on this. There is no debate regarding, you know, somebody who is over the age of 35 is allowed constitutionally to run for president, to be president of the United States. There is no debate. A 30 year old cannot be president of the United States. That is written in stone in the Constitution. There there is no uh, room for disagreement there. 
there is also no room for disagreement when it comes to whether or not a person can serve more than two terms as president of the United States. No, you cannot serve more than two terms. There is no debate. But when it comes to what happened on January 6th, there is a ton of debate over what happened on January 6th. We can't even agree as a nation as to whether or not January 6th was actually an insurrection. I call it a protest that got out of control. Other people will call it trespassing. Other people will call it trespassing and vandalism. But that's the point that Lawrence Tribe, this hack for the left, is missing. Is that there is a ton of debate over what happened on January 6th. Again, we can't even decide or agree what it was. We certainly can't agree on whether or not Donald Trump was the one that provoked or inspired it. So that's the whole point with Lawrence Tribe is, you know, he can sit here and he can call Jonathan Turley a hack. But it, it really does seem to me that, uh, you know, Lawrence Tribe himself is the hack. I mean, Turley, it seems to me, has far more credibility than Tribe overall. Turley has spent a lot of time on issues representing both sides. And his resume is massive. Turley's been called one of the most uh cited public intellectuals years ago and one of the most cited law professors as well. He's been a legal analyst for almost every single network on television, including the liberal ones like NBC. He has also been named one of the top 10 military lawyers as well. I mean, all of this to say Lawrence Tribe, he also has an incredible resume. But to call Jonathan Turley a hack as opposed to simply respectfully disagreeing with Turley on legal and constitutional matters tells you that Turley, at least to me, is right on this. Why? Because Lawrence Tribe, uh, you know, ultimately has to resort to um, name calling as opposed to Jonathan Turley. Now, Tribe has been a champion for left-leaning causes his entire career. I mean, you, you've got Barack Obama and Merrick Garland and uh, and Kagan, Elena Kagan. Uh, all of them have been clerks for Lawrence Tribe when he taught at Uber, and I mean Uber, uh, liberal or progressive Harvard. Oh, and by the way, so did a guy named Ted Cruz. By the way, uh, today, making headlines, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger Uh, who, by the way, seems to be public enemy number one of Donald Trump. Uh, He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that he is saying that invoking the 14th Amendment is absolutely wrong. Here's a quote. Again, this is Brad Raffensperger, somebody who is decidedly anti-Donald Trump, but clearly pro-Constitution. He says invoking the 14th Amendment is merely the newest way of attempting to short-circuit the ballot box. He says in this Wall Street Journal op-ed Wednesday, since 2018, Georgia has seen losing candidates and their lawyers try and sue their way to victory. It doesn't work. Stacey Abrams claims of election mismanagement following the 2018 election were rejected in court, as were Donald Trump's after the 2020 election. He argued that it would only reinforce the grievances of those who see the system as rigged and corrupt. That is certainly true. 
He says if secretaries of state take Donald Trump off the ballot, he says that the decision of whether Trump will be the GOP nominee or the next president should be left up to the voters. It should be left up to we the people saying anything else that denies voters the choice would erode the belief in our uniquely American representative democracy. And he is absolutely right. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE. Let's say hello to Ralph calling from Glendora, California on Red Eye Radio. Ralph, how are you? Great. Uh, nice to speak with you again. I don't know if you remember, we had to talk about In-N-Out Burger and Charter Oak High School and football and stuff. I do remember that. I grew up in Glendora. It's great to hear from you again. Yeah, and being from this area, California, I was thinking uh, Larry Elder should have been on the debate stage. I know that would have been nine people. But the thing about Larry is uh, I think his views would have uh, – they're fact-based. And he would bring out the best or worst of the other candidates over specific issues, um, including what others may be afraid to talk about, kind of what you talked about last night on your show about possibly culture leading to some of the crime that's going on, you know, the fatherless homes and things like that. Oh, absolutely. And did you see – did you see – and, and Ralph, um, I'll let you finish your point. But did you see Larry Elder and his conversation with – and I'm going to put this in air quotes – Charlemagne the God? Did, did you see that? Where Elder just – and if you haven't – I can't play it, but um, if you see it, Elder absolutely schools – Charlemagne on, you know, what is going on in politics today, specifically within the black community. If you have not seen that or folks, if you haven't seen that, uh, go find it. Elder Schools uh, Charlemagne. But I'm very familiar with Larry. For folks who don't know, Larry Elder uh, running for president. He was a a radio talk show host on 790 KABC in uh, Los Angeles, which is a proud red eye affiliate for uh, years and years and years. And he's somebody that I very much respect uh, as a politician and also as a fellow talk show host. Uh, Ralph, I'll let you have the last word. Well, I'm glad you brought up Charlemagne. I haven't seen that specific one. I saw it's on YouTube. I saw him being interviewed on TMZ by Harvey Levin and Harvey Levin's co-host over the fact that, you know, TMZ believed American cops being systemically racist. Well, just like Charlemagne the God, Larry schooled them on facts. And that's what I thought would be good for this debate would be Larry is what Gary and Eric are always talking about, about Republicans not being targeting specifics of the major issues. Mm -hmm. And they're frustrated with that. I hear them sometimes. And Larry is just the guy to be doing that. I mean, I know he ran for governor in California during the Newsom recall, but Newsom beat the numbers. So Larry never got the chance to to get the vote. Right. Well, I, I'll say this, Ralph, and I appreciate the call. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of, of Larry. I, I don't I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about uh, his campaign, but I will tell you that uh, I believe that uh, Larry Elder is a guy who uh, and again, I like him. And he's a guy who is an absolute force for truth. And uh, hopefully more people will discover uh, Larry as the campaign continues. And again, Ralph, I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE. RedEyeRadioShow.com is the website. 866-907-3339. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. 
and pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Dan uh, Mandis here, and for Gary and Eric, want to say hello to Dave, calling from Franklin, Tennessee, on Red Eye Radio. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Go ahead. All is good here. Um, okay, I wanted to raise a point that I don't, I don't, I haven't heard anybody really talking about it, and. That's it. The Democrats, whoever's pulling the strings behind for the Democrat Party, they're playing the long game. And if you think about the timeline, of what's going to happen? They're going after Trump. He's going to get convicted on something. And ultimately, where does that lead? It's going to wind up in the Supreme Court. Now, when they overturn it, which they will, they're going to get accused by everybody on the left, of course, of it's all rigged because they're a conservative and Blah, blah, blah. And that's going to give them the perfect ammunition to go try to pack the court. And if they succeed in that, then it's pretty much over. We'll be a, a Democrat country for from this point on if we don't wind up that way already. And uh, uh, a second point I wanted to make is that I I can blame I, I don't blame uh, uh, politicians. Sorry, They're, they do the most slimy, horrible things, all of them. But what baffles me is the media. Uh, on the left, uh, putting up with this and covering up for Donald, for uh, I'm sorry, for Biden and, and everything that they have done dirty in this administration. I, I it, 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 it's beyond my comprehension how they can go home and and think that this is a, a normal to not expose it. It's, well, yeah, you know the, the amazing new- thing. You're right, Dave. And you know what I would say to that is, and as a guy who has a background in journalism, I, I'm a talk show host now, would so. You know, for me, though, I I used to love journalism. I had all the respect in the world for journalists. Now I have respects for journalists, at least the ones that are still practicing journalism. Sadly, those are few and far between.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you being here. You can find out more about me on my social media pages. I'm on uh, Twitter, X, whatever it is you want to call it, uh, at Dan Mandis Show. Same with Facebook. Asking the uh, question of you folks, because there is this move, clearly this move, to remove Donald Trump from the primary ballot, uh, utilizing the 14th Amendment. It has hit Colorado by this group. They're also trying to get the same uh, the same kind of lawsuit passed in or filed, I should say, in states like New Hampshire and Arizona and uh, Michigan. So so this is and, and a lot of people and I've been going through this uh, this evening. Uh, there are people that are saying and, and analysts that are saying that while there have been other lawsuits that have been filed, this is the first one by an organization that really does have a lot of of, of progressive credibility. And so this is an organization that is going state by state. They filed this lawsuit in Colorado. You've got, you know, people in Colorado on the left, and they're saying that this lawsuit uh, could serve as a basis for other lawsuits across the country. And so we have a lot of people, of course, on both sides talking about this. Mike Huckabee, the um, former governor in the state of Arkansas, had something to say about this on his TV show. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. Decided by ballots rather than bullets. And I I played that earlier and and I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is that uh, Huckabee meant by that. I mean, you know, when he says bullets, is he saying that people should engage or will? Is he predicting that people will engage in an armed insurrection? Maybe he means, you know, from a legal standpoint, maybe when he said bullets, he means from a, a legal standpoint, the, the lawsuits and all these kinds of things could actually be, you know, something that he's actually talking about, um, you know, lawsuits. I, I don't know, because this is usually not the kind of thing that uh, Mike Huckabee would say. And I have a, a great amount of respect for uh, Mike Huckabee. But I, I am wondering what he uh, means by that. And, and so for me, I started thinking about that and I started thinking, OK, so what would the reaction be if they were actually able to pull Donald Trump? And by the way, they only have to do this in a couple of states for there to be clearly a, an impossibility that Donald Trump would be able to win in an election. So for, you know, again, it's, it's something if you do it on the on a you know, a national level, then he wouldn't be on the ballot in a couple of states, meaning that he wouldn't be able to get those those uh, electors in those particular states. You you run up enough of those and there's no way that you can win. Uh, so my question to you has been tonight. I've got an official talk show host question, which I don't typically like to do, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious as to what your one. What would your reaction be if they were successful in pulling Donald Trump uh, off of the ballot, whether it be, you know, nationally or state by state, that's number one. And and number two, do you have an alternate uh, candidate? If you're a supporter of Donald Trump, he's all of a sudden, for whatever reason, not able to run. OK, well, then you've got Vivek Ramaswamy. You've got uh, Ron DeSantis. You've got Tim Scott. And, and by the way, I am a free agent. I am a supporter of the Constitution and conservative values. And right now, I'm just listening to everybody's uh, platform. I voted for Donald Trump twice. It doesn't mean that I am married to him for a third time. I want to listen to all the candidates and make an informed decision. And I'm telling you that just because I want you to know my perspective 
on the former president. Uh, Alan is in Independence, Iowa, I believe that is. Uh, Alan, thanks for calling in. That is correct, Independence, Iowa. Um, being from Iowa and having you know important role to play in this, um, personally, I in the caucus, I am leaning towards uh, either Vivek or Tim Scott. But if Donald Trump would win the nomination, I would be all out supporting him. Um, as far as what uh, former Governor Huckabee said, you know, it's not this election he's stating would be decided with ballots, not bullets, but it'd be the next one. And I won't speak for what he says. Thanks, but I would agree with him because. We've gotten to a point in this country where we don't trust the system. No, we don't and trust the system. You, I, I will agree with you on that, Alan. We don't trust the system. But when you and maybe I'm being too literal on this, but when you say and when he says it'll be decided by bullets. I mean, what does that mean to you? I mean, OK, so who who I mean, who are you going to shoot? I mean, be, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I think it would be a mass case of anarchy. I think we have been pushing towards that closer and closer over the past, well, for this century. And I listen to friends of mine who are Democrats, left-leaning, and they're talking about armed insurrection if Trump would be able to run and win. Yeah, you know and, what? And, and, and here's the other thing. Did. Yeah, uh, Alan, thanks for the call. I, pr- I appreciate it. Um, you know, part, part of, of this conversation and part of this discussion has to be that remember when the the Republicans, you know, in uh, Georgia and Texas and they they wanted to fortify the election laws in, in those uh, respective states in, in Georgia and Texas. And so they did that. And the Republicans, you know, there's all of this hysteria, right? There's all of this. Oh, my God, the Republicans, it's Jim Crow 2.0. Remember all of that. And they called that voter suppression. What would you call this with these progressives on the left? What would you call this? Because I would call this very much voter suppression, because if they pull and, and Alan was right, because people are losing faith or they have lost faith in the system. They have lost faith in the media. They've lost faith in our, in our government. And so for a lot of the people that are Donald Trump supporters, when you look at um, you know Donald Trump and what he represents, he represents the, the guy that came in and took on the swamp. And so they returned to the political process. And so if they are able to successfully bring him uh, bring him down and keep him off of the ballot. Well, then what would you call that? I would call that voter suppression in its purest form, because what you're doing is you're taking away the candidate that, you know, roughly half of America wants to see running for the White House and in the White House. And a good number of those people, you, you knock him out. You know, with lawsuits and so forth, and these lawsuits are completely based on BS and they have no foundation whatsoever after everything else that we've seen. 
Yeah, th- this would be something that, that, that I believe uh, it would be voter suppression because those people would just not bother to come back to the political process. They would say, well, if Donald Trump's gone, I'm not going to vote for uh, any more of these other folks. Because my candidate was Donald Trump. That, at least to me, is voter suppression. Chris is in Lebanon, Tennessee on Red Eye Radio. Chris, thanks for calling in. Dan, the man, Mandis, glad to be here. Thank you all for reaching out and putting me on here tonight. All right. (laughs) All right. So to answer that question, if uh, somebody somewhere pulls some shenanigans and tries to keep them off the ballot, we've got one last chance to avoid bullets, you know, as Huckabee put it. Right. I I would choose to say last chance to avoid upheaval chaos and that is we write his name in i just write he's a write-in candidate yep we want look i think it would be amazing i look i hope everything goes through its legal process and trump wins and we don't have to go through any of this but as you know they've got the democrats have a big why they're trying to keep him from the White House, and it is so big that they're willing to break any laws and burn anything down so they can stay in power, and that's huge, and that's troubling. And well, well yeah, when you when you have when you when you have and and here's the 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 thing about this, Chris, is that when when you see one side who just doesn't care as to how their mm-hmm. moves are going to be perceived. They don't care who they anger. They don't care whether or not it's constitutional. They don't care if it's legal. They they don't mm-hmm. care if it'll pass muster at the Supreme Court level. They don't care. Right. They just want to see Donald Trump out, and they want to seemingly watch the world burn. And, and by the way, a, a guy earlier, uh, Chris, I, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much for uh, calling in. There's a guy that uh, I, I, I wanted to say something, but I ran out of time. He called in, and he said that part of what the Democrats want to do is they want this case to go to the Supreme Court because, in my opinion, in the opinion of many others, this whole notion of removing Donald Trump from the uh, ballot, uh, courtesy of the 14th Amendment, it's unconstitutional. And the Supreme Court will, you know, they'll they'll strike that down. And, and it was his contention that that would that's what the Democrats want, because that would motivate people to go out and vote Democrat so that ultimately you could have, uh, you know, Democrats, uh, strong majority in the Senate, in the White House and so forth. And then they could pack the Supreme Court. And, and I understand that that would be motivating for people on the left. But I also believe that it would be motivating for people on the right. Because remember, one of the big reasons, actually, the reason why I voted for Donald Trump, The reason why I voted for Donald Trump was because I did not want Hillary Clinton to have all of those uh, Supreme Court picks. And I I would say that, you know, voting for Donald Trump for for me personally, it was the it was the hardest and the smartest um, vote that I've ever made. Because of the fact that I got what I wanted out of the deal in voting for Donald Trump with, you know, a very conservative Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court. But I also got a lot of other things in return as well. So, you know, for for me, I think that ultimately Republicans would see that as motivation 
to go to the polls. And, and, and if it does go to the Supreme Court and it does get uh, knocked down, well, then that is even more of a motivation for, you know, people like us to say, yes, voting for, you know, Donald Trump or, you know, frankly, any conservative that we trust will protect that will protect that majority in the Supreme Court. And that, my friends, is really important. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. They return Sunday night, Monday morning. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Headline from the Daily Mail. Judge rules the uh, former President Donald Trump defamed E. Jean Carroll a second time, saying the ex-president suffers another legal blow as his comments that writer was not his type are deemed libelous. How, how is that possible? I mean, this is this is the unfairness of what is going on with Donald Trump. And I know that it seems like I'm spending the entire show defending Donald Trump. But when I see wrongdoing, I mean, it is all over the place. So I just I want to make sure that I get this right. So E. Jean Carroll can write in a book without any evidence, any empirical evidence, nothing solid, just her word. She can write in a book. That Donald Trump raped her in a department store dressing room with no other kind of evidence whatsoever. He denies it and and says, well, she's not my type. And, and that is somehow libelous. Now he has to pay her five million dollars. How, how what kind of a world do we live in where, you know, somebody like uh, Donald Trump or anybody will have to, you know, pay millions of dollars and and you're being accused of and convicted of libel by simply defending yourself against allegations of rape. And how many times have people said, well, she's not my type, he's not my type. And now that's libelous? And especially given the fact that for Donald Trump, this was um, in the context of defending himself against allegations of rape. So it is it is, at least to me, the whole thing seems absolutely nonsensical. And incredibly unfair. Trump has continued to deny the encounter took place and insisted he doesn't even know this woman, E. Jean Carroll. He claimed that he never met this person in his life, uh, said that Carroll is not his type and called her sexual assault allegations totally false. Trump also accused Carol of making up an attack that never happened so she could sell more copies of her book. Well, that is exactly why she did it. I mean, I would think. I mean, otherwise, one, why did she put it in the book? And number two, we didn't hear about this situation until she wrote the book. So just another, in my opinion, just another example of, you know, the court system really stacking the the deck against the former president, Donald Trump.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. Appreciate you being here. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Always a pleasure to fill in for Gary and Eric. They return next Sunday night, Monday morning. So there's a, a few other things that are going on, and I'm going to get to uh, your calls coming up on the 14th Amendment. We've been talking about that uh, all morning long. But this is interesting. So you remember yesterday, last night, we talked about uh, how Biden, you've got all these people that are, you know, attacking the president. Republicans will attack Biden for, you know, here's what's interesting. I think Republicans are attacking Biden not because he's old, but because he's corrupt. I mean, isn't that as a conservative my my bigger issue isn't with his age. I mean, I have an issue with the signs that he is aging, of course, with, you know, what what is clearly his faculties are leaving him at a rapid rate. But I'm concerned about the corruption. I'm also concerned that, you know, he's got beginning signs of dementia. And anybody who's been around a dementia patient knows exactly uh, what that means. My stepmom had dementia. And so. Uh, Alzheimer's. And so that is what Biden clearly has. And so while the media and the left are hyper focused on, you know, utilizing this 14th Amendment to keep uh, Donald Trump off of the primary ballot, you've got, you know, no one talking about the 25th Amendment for Joe Biden, where he can be removed from from office by his cabinet, because, you know, that his cabinet knows exactly what's going on with the president. He is simply not all there. Now, we we had this situation yesterday where as the discussion was going on, because you remember there were those there. There's that polling that showed that it was a couple of different polls. One of the polls showed it was a Wall Street Journal poll, if I'm not mistaken. And that showed that the American people on an issue by issue by issue by issue. Joe Biden was underwater on every single issue. From the economy to China to, you know, Afghanistan, obviously, to the border. I mean, I could go on and on. And and so, you know, you have people on the left saying, well, it's just because he's old. It's like, no, man, it's because of his policy. His policy is terrible. His policies are terrible. You know, if you're a Democrat and, and you're a supporter of Joe Biden, there's nowhere to rest your eyes because there there's no real way to come out with a victory from the first uh, term of Joe Biden. There just isn't. There's not one thing that I can say that has been a success. So yesterday, big topic of conversation, Joe Biden, the, the American people, by and large, believe that uh, the president is too old and should not be running for a second term. Then. As if on cue, Joe Biden ends up with COVID. Joe Biden is wearing a mask. He's got to go out to this event in case you missed the show. 
It was a Medal of Honor event at the White House. A guy by the name of Larry Taylor, who is a Tennessean, by the way. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Larry Taylor is a is a Tennessean, and he's also a Vietnam veteran who was a hero. He he flew his plane uh, into the gunfire to try to save, and he did save a whole bunch of his fellow soldiers as uh, they were surrounded by the enemy. Just an amazing story. And so after 60 years, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. It is his great moment. And so Joe Biden shows up. And he's wearing a mask because, you know, he says that he's following CDC recommendations and wearing the mask because, you know, Jill came down with COVID. So he doesn't want to infect anybody. Well, he shows up in a mask takes his mask off, gives a little speech, gets right up and personal with this Vietnam veteran, uh, Larry Taylor, putting the Medal of Honor around his neck, and then he leaves. That was a big topic of conversation yesterday. He left before the event was over. And, And people are looking around as he is leaving, and there's sort of, you can kind of tell in the video, there's this buzz in the room like, well, there goes Biden again. He's he's wandering. Yep, this is going to be a topic of conversation where people say that wandering Biden, Dementia Joe, is too old for the White House. Now, it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with his cognitive ability. But here's the funny thing. So yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about Joe Biden leaving that ceremony and he he did he literally left early and he left the he left the vietnam veteran he left him up on stage all alone and it was just like nobody really knew what to do so this is what cringe on pierre had to say i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna share a couple of things with all of you here um and just start with what the ceremony was all about because it's incredibly important uh the president took off his mask Uh, as I said he would, to deliver incredibly powerful remarks about this captain, Captain Taylor, uh, and what he did in service to our our nation, and he wanted to honor uh, the captain. And for a brief time afterwards, he also uh, didn't have his mask on, as you just laid out, uh, and he left as planned, as it was planned. Uh, He left uh, when there was a pause in the program in order to minimize to minimize his close contact with attendees uh, who are uh, who are about to participate in a reception. And uh, as you all reported that, noticed that he left uh, uh, when there was a pause in the program because, again, he wanted to minimize uh, certainly uh, uh, his impact on folks who were there. Clearly not following the science, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, listen, I, I happen to be of the mind that mask wearing these days, knowing what we know about the masks and how they they don't work, I think that this is just, you know, an example of uh, virtue signaling. But beyond all that, so if, if you truly believe that masks work, then Joe Biden showing up, then taking off his mask and, and keeping the mask off, that, that doesn't that doesn't prevent people from from, you know, getting covid. I mean, leaving the mask again, if you believe in masks, then he should have left the mask on for the entire time, for the entirety of the event. But showing up, then taking the mask off 
than wading through the crowd and walking out does not minimize the risk that COVID is being spread, not by a long shot, again, if you believe that masks work. So what she says doesn't make any sense. And by the way, the other thing that I would say is for for Biden to take off the mask so that he could give this, you know, incredible speech. Okay, well, then why don't school children who are being forced to wear masks in in some districts uh, in America? Why are they forced to wear masks and also try to learn and speak to their classmates and listen to the teacher at the same time? Why are they forced to wear masks even while they're talking, while the president doesn't have to. Seems a little hypocritical, don't you think? So her, her, ex, her explanation just doesn't make any sense. I think it was just another example of why it is that they don't like Joe Biden to, you know, go out and participate in these events because you just you, you don't know what in the heck the president is going to do. Eight six six ninety red eyes. The phone number. Philip is in Toledo, Ohio, one of the mud hens, I believe it yeah, is, he, on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Philip. Absolutely. Hi. He absolutely walked off the stage confused, and Kareen is just a professional liar who did a revising thing. We are now living under the cancer that Obama infected this country with, with his Soviet-style, Alinsky-inspired concepts. And uh, who knows really who's driving most of the decisions in the White House. It probably still is Obama. But uh, the uh, alphabet networks and the contrived narrative network have been so damaging to the United States that they really threaten us. And so really fear and bullets are really the only thing that ensure freedom. And so you need to talk about this on your show in Nashville every day. And and, the, and we need to it to be out there in the media so that they know that they don't, they're not going to step up and try to pull that crap because Biden did not win. Uh, everybody in your audience should look up. I think it's called uh, anomalies and vote pattern analysis. I think it's published by Substack. They show these vote accumulation curves and then they actually highlight the ratios and Biden would have never got these votes. You can go in downtown Detroit. A lot of black men in downtown Detroit love uh, Joe Biden. The ratios that they actually use to push it over between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. in those four key states are clearly phony. And I, so, like, well, Philip, uh, hey, hey, Philip, Philip what, what I would say is that you're right. There's a lot of, of weirdness that went on in 2020. No one is going to deny that there was weirdness. And there's a lot of things that. Uh, happened in 2020 and and leading up to the election. And I know that, you know, you're going down the road of the election was stolen and so forth. You know, I've I've made that argument many times. I don't speak about it every day in Nashville, but these kinds of things do come up on my Nashville show. But, you know, and I, I but I don't want to get mired down in that. I, I could go on go on for an hour, Philip, and I have on the election being stolen in the sense that, you know, the the media and all these other folks said that the laptop from hell was um, was not actually a, a credible um, document. But they said that that story itself from the New York Post was not credible. They said it was Russian disinformation. Uh, Joe Biden said that. Those uh, intelligence, uh, the intelligence community said that it was Russian disinformation. 
The media backed them up on it. And so that that particular angle of the story, at least to me, that is how the election was stolen. I, I don't I, I can't speak to, you know, ratios and, you know, uh, ballot stuffing and all that. I, I can't speak to voting machines because I don't know anything about voting machines. But what I do know is that when the when many people, what was it, one out of five, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember what it was. But but a whole bunch of folks in the polling after we found out that the laptop from hell was actually a credible story. And the media and the Democrats, of course, and Joe Biden, they all did everything they could to uh, say that that was Russian disinformation. That was all a complete lie. And and it, it was a credible uh, story and and even the people that were uh, talking about how it was Russian disinformation, they knew that it was credible. Joe Biden looked into the face of the American people and, and he lied to them and he lied to all of us about uh, the laptop and and whether or not Hunter Biden was making millions of dollars from the likes of China and Russia and Ukraine, Burisma, etc. He lied, and it is shocking to me that more people aren't angry about that. Because here's the thing about, you know, again, and I mean this very respectfully, you can talk about all of that, you know, the, the ballot stuffing and the, you know, the what's on Substack. You can talk about all of that. But here's what I know. Is that the president lied. And so for and he and he continues to lie. And so for the amount of the, the American people, roughly half of the American people still say that they would vote for Joe Biden, knowing that he has been lying to them and us nonstop, that should be enough for him to lose the campaign in 2024. I mean, that's what's really sad, actually. Because you would think that the Democrats would um, have at least some self-respect and understand that they should not continue to bring Joe Biden to the, uh, you know, to the next election because he is a known liar. I mean, you want to talk about pants on fire. I mean, that dude's got an inferno going on. And it's a daily thing. And so when we talk about, you know, stolen elections and all that other kind of stuff, I'm right there with you. I mean, we we may quibble over, you know, what that exactly means, but I I understand what you're saying. And I understand the anger and I understand the frustration. I, I Again, I'm right there. But for me... I'm really focused on what is going on right now. And as you said, Corinne Jean-Pierre, another another liar, liar, pants on fire. It is like a daily onslaught. And you're right. And some of the other callers were right, too. The fact that the media doesn't get angry at the perpetual lies, the fact that the Democrats don't get angry at the perpetual lies of Joe Biden and his administration, it is just stunning to me. And so then the rest of us are left scratching our heads thinking, you know, what what is wrong with these people? I mean, if 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 my president and I know that Donald Trump has been accused of lying, you know, what was a million lies, whatever the hell it was, you know, for me. You look at the air quotes lies of Donald Trump and then you look at the lies of of Corinne Jean-Pierre, I mean, and, and Joe Biden, they don't even compare. They don't even compare. I would say there were more lies told about Donald Trump than than lies that he told. And when you start talking about, OK, well, what exactly is a lie? Because there's lies 
and, and then there's spin. There's political spin where everybody has a different take on a particular piece of policy. Got to go running way late. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here on Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Sacramento B has a, a really interesting article. Could Gavin Newsom run for president in twenty twenty four? Lots of GOP insiders are all but convinced. And you know this is well worn territory at this point. As we continue to watch Joe Biden and, and Biden's brain continue to uh, dissolve, the question has got to be asked. And so when you look at the polling and, and it's clear that, you know, Republicans certainly don't like uh, Joe Biden. Question is, who would you rather have whoever the Republican is run against a Gavin Newsom or a Joe Biden? But they are saying now that Gavin Newsom, his his name is coming up in a lot of different conversations. And it wouldn't be surprising, would it? I mean, they talk about in this article how uh, you've got Kamala Harris, who has been a complete and utter failure. Which, I mean, you, you can't deny that. You can't deny, deny that at all. So the question is regarding Gavin Newsom, who would be easier to beat? Well, I guess part of that depends on who the uh, nominee would be for the Republicans. There, there's still a lot that is going on in the air. And uh, as far as political and, and politics goes in this uh, run up to 2024. So we we don't even know what we don't know, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. And it's going to be fascinating to call <clears throat> Rick is in Knoxville, uh, Tennessee on Red Eye Radio. Rick, how are you? Hello, Dan Mandus. It's nice to talk to you again. I've got a comment on um, on a, a scenario about uh, Governor Huckabee was talking about. Let's let's just, for instance, take that. Um, Donald Trump is barred from this election, and uh, whoever the candidate is, uh, Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Biden, I mean, like if they pull a switcheroo with the 25th Amendment, and our nation just dissolves into uh, riots and and craziness, okay? And uh, the the conservatives kind of go out and, you know, are peacefully protesting, but then uh, the Democrats throw Antifa at them, and so lots of people get hurt. And so, you know, it's a call for the National Guard to come out, you know, and the National Guard kind of take the side of the conservatives. And so whoever the president is, okay, at the time, whether it's after this election or in four years or whatever, okay, decides, okay, I'm going to violate posse cumitatis and send the military in. So it may come down to bullets instead of ballots in that case like that. And and, and I don't think, um, Rick, I appreciate the call. I, nobody wants that to happen. I don't believe that anybody wants that to happen. I certainly don't. I wouldn't advocate for violence. And here's the thing. I don't believe that... I don't believe that Mike Huckabee, and I've played the audio a number of different times now, I don't believe that Huckabee was advocating for violence either. Uh, We'll revisit that and what's going on in New York also straight ahead on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. A quick headline for you. Federal prosecutors plan to indict Hunter Biden by the end of this month, by September. By the end of September, they say they're going to uh, indict Hunter Biden. They say, according to the Daily Mail and others now, bombshell court filing says President's son is likely to face gun charges that could, 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 probably won't, but could land him in prison for up to 10 years. Now, you remember that plea deal, the, the, the plea bargain, that whole thing fell apart. Everybody wondered, OK, so as that plea deal fell apart, then what is the next shoe to drop? Well, this is that next shoe, which is that Hunter Biden could uh, be facing some of these gun charges that may land him in prison for up to 10 years. Do I think it's going to happen? It should happen. Will it happen? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. They say the president's son had reached a plea deal that would have allowed him to avoid trial for the firearms charges if he abided by parole conditions over 24 months. But again, as you know, the judge in the case just sort of looked at this and said, well, wait a minute. So is in this plea bargain, the judge was asking you know, questions like, OK, so if if we go through with this plea deal, then what happens to any future charges? And, and so you had both sides sort of look at each other, look at the judge and everybody kind of had a no crap moment. The judge is just asking a simple question. And and with that simple question, then the entire thing fell apart. Which to me tells me that the, the prosecutors and the attorneys for Hunter Biden they were really the DOJ attorneys. They they were looking for a way to protect Hunter Biden. Because the judge was saying, I, I can't sign off on this. And so then as everybody is looking at each other, trying to figure out what to do, then all of a sudden the whole thing just falls apart. And, and then the question became, what happens next? Because the prosecutors and Hunter's attorneys, what they were really trying to portray was, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. We've come up with this agreement essentially to protect Hunter Biden. And the judge said that she just simply could not sign off on it. And now we are where we are right now. We'll have to see ultimately what happens with Hunter Biden. But that's going to be a very fun story to watch, in my opinion, because, you know, I think most of us who have been watching this and I'm just skimming the surface on that story. I think that there's a lot of folks that are rather, quite frankly, burned out on the whole Hunter Biden thing because we feel like there's just he has escaped justice for so long with an ever protective DOJ an ever protective FBI and an ever protective father that the possibility of him actually being held accountable for something that he has done. Just seems completely foreign. I mean, when you look at the hookers and you look at the drugs and you look at, you know, the millions of dollars and you look at, you know, the shell, uh, the shell corporations, the millions of dollars going from, you know, these corrupt, uh, these corruptocracies and these oligarchs going, you know, through the shell companies into the pockets of Biden's. You look at all of the email. I mean, all of that stuff. And yet somehow he's still not in prison. And his father is still in the White House. 
is just stunning, although not really disappointing because this is the way it goes. Yet you do have the uh, Democrats going after, you know, Donald Trump with the 14th Amendment. By the way, there is and I'm going to continue to take your calls on that. There's some other things that are going on, though, and I, I want to get to them because I think that, you know, quite frankly, it's um, worth discussing what is going on in New York. Now, we all know the battles of Ill- illegal immigration. We all know what is going on in Texas and, you know, places like Texas, Florida, Arizona and so forth. Well, to me, the most interesting thing is uh, what is going on in the city of New York, the city of Manhattan, the state of New York, where you've got now Eric Adams, the mayor, who has been struggling. He has been struggling with this onslaught of, you know, migrants being shipped into New York as a sanctuary city. Texas says, you know what? You want them, you got them. And now Eric Adams, he simply doesn't know what to do. And so he said something yesterday that a lot of folks are are taking note of. And basically what he said is that New York has fallen. I don't see an ending to this. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10 thousand migrants a month one time we were just in venezuela now we're in ecuador now we're in russian speaking coming through mexico now we're in uh, western africa now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into new york city and everyone is saying it's new york city's problem every community in this city is going to be impacted we had a 12 billion dollar deficit that we're going to have to cut every service in this city is going to be impacted all of us and so i say to you as i turn it over to you this is some some of the most educated some of the most knowledgeable probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs live in this community so as you ask me a question about migrants tell me what role you played How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do, and they're destroying New York City? Mm -hmm. It's going to come to your neighborhoods. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. And we're all in this together. All of us. Well, that is Eric Adams. And, you know, when he says. That New York may never recover from this, I, I think he's right. And and I think that what, one of the things that you can do, you can sit here, I, I would say to Eric Adams. You can sit here and, and blame, you know, Greg Abbott, the governor for the state of Texas, but you have no one to blame but yourself. And it's the same thing that you talk about in places like, you know, San Francisco, where they've got massive drug problems. They've got, you know, needles all over the place. They've got, you know, homeless people all over the place. They got feces and urine and all that. It's all just horrible and gross. And the people of those cities have no one to blame but themselves. A while back, there was a whole bunch of folks in Chicago. And the reason why, let me finish the thought. 
The reason why these people have only themselves to blame is because I guarantee you they voted for Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is the one that has this this open border policy. And so I love how, you know, Eric Adams will sit there and he'll he'll go after the uh, governors for, you know, Florida. And that's, of course, Ron DeSantis and the governor of the state of Texas. That is Greg Abbott. But it all stems from the wide open southern border. So for me, there was audio a while back where you had all these people in uh, Chicago, the south side of Chicago. It was great. And and they were yelling at, you know, the local commissioners and all these people about the migrant issue. And, and my comment to that was, OK, well, who did you vote for? You vote. You still vote for Democrats. If you're still voting for Democrats. Well, this is what Democrats do. They, they advocate for uh, high levels of migration, illegal or otherwise. And so Eric Adams is, is, is right, but he's also wrong. You know, he's he's blaming when he says what they are doing. He's talking about, you know, Greg Abbott. But when I say what they are doing. It's his party, generally speaking, it's it's Democrats as a whole, because when Joe Biden is at the top of the ticket, when Joe Biden as a Democrat is president of the United States. And Democrats have been. Openly advocating for sanctuary city policies in conjunction with wide open border policies from the president. You asked for this, Eric Adams. You asked for this, Democrats. This is what you did. So you only have yourselves to blame for the fall of San Francisco, for the fall of Portland, Oregon, for the fall of New York City. This is not on the Republicans. This is on you. And you only have yourselves to blame. So, no, I don't uh, I don't feel sorry for you. By the way, headline from the New York Post, New York City migrant students language barrier is posing a challenge for schools. Nah, isn't that funny? Like who didn't see this coming? And see, this wouldn't be so this wouldn't be so um, entertaining to watch. And I know that it sounds terrible when I say this is entertaining to watch, but it is. This wouldn't be so entertaining to watch if it wasn't for the the sanctimonious, holier than thou attitudes of Democrats and progressives who look down on people like me and a lot of you who advocate for legal immigration. And we are against sanctuary city policies and these sanctuary city, the, the sanctuary cities and their politicians and their residents. They look down on people like us. Because we advocate for legal migration as opposed to the train wreck that is the Biden administration. So, yeah, you know what? I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get sick. I hate the kids are losing out on an education who are supposed to be here because the schools in New York City and elsewhere are dealing with hundreds or thousands of these kids who don't speak English. They don't have any schooling when they were in Honduras or El Salvador. You know, some of these people that are coming into our country. I'm going to try to be as sensitive as possible. They didn't have a lot of schooling in their own country. And the schooling in their own countries sucked. 
So then they come here. They don't speak the language. They're not well-educated in their own language. And they come in here and they're expecting to learn. And I think that that is absolutely wrong. And so now that that's part of what's going on in New York. There's so many things going on in New York. The headline, I just told you the headline, thousands of new migrant students will pose a language barrier challenge for New York City public schools when classes start this week. So says Governor Kathy Hochul. While most of the 60,000 migrants being sheltered by the city speak Spanish, the governor noted that there are many who speak another language, another first language, and they'll have to have language services that cater to their needs. Well, who's going to pay for that? That's what everybody wants to know. Kathy Hochul, Eric Adams. This is what it means to be a sanctuary city. Congratulations. 86690 Red Eye, 8669073339. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866 Red Eye. Red Eye Radio, 866 Red Eye, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. Want to say hello to, uh, this is going to be Mark in Reno, Nevada on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Mark, how are you? How are you doing? Um, hey, I was just um, talking about, you know, what I'm concerned about is the down ballot on this Trump thing where they're trying to, like some of the states are trying to get rid of him off sort of things. You can always write a candidate in. Yes. But if you can just spirit enough people, the House of Representatives is so close that if you can just get a couple of those House seats switched, once they get all three, if they can get the presidency, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, it's over because they'll legalize 20, 30 million people. Game over. Texas will switch to, to the Democratic Party, and that'll be pretty much it. That's what I'm terrified about. I think that's what they're doing with this. If they can just affect a couple of House of Representatives – in yep. some of these blue states, that's all well, they it, need it, to do. And it, 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 it is, Mark. It, it's what I would call um, voter suppression. And, and that that is exactly what it is. And I appreciate the call. You know, we were talking about that earlier with this whole movement with the 14th Amendment to try to get Donald Trump off of the ballot. For you folks that are just joining us in Colorado now, there has been what some are saying the most credible and legitimate Lawsuit has been filed to keep the former president off of the ballot. This is something that has been percolating for quite some time. And and part of my concern is exactly what Mark was talking about, that, number one, if they pull Donald Trump off of the ballot, there will be enough people that is so that are going to be so angry and so dispirited that they'll just say, you know what? I'm not going to go to the polls. I'm not going to vote. It will impact those down ballot races for the House, for the Senate. And and you know what it'll also impact is uh, state legislation, uh, state uh, elections as well. You know, people running for the state legislature and so forth. It'll impact those races as well at a local level. So this whole thing is just incredibly, incredibly insidious. Got a lot more straight ahead.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. I, I'm chuckling because I, I spent the last uh, 10 minutes or so just listening to a cringe Jean-Pierre sort of stumble her way through the White House press briefing yesterday. And one of the questions that was asked, and it's a great question, is about CDC guidance, because I've been telling you about Joe Biden, right? So Joe Biden, uh, his wife has COVID. Jill Biden has COVID. So he was wearing a mask. He goes to this Medal of Honor ceremony. He walks in wearing a mask. Then he takes his mask off. Gets really close to an 81-year-old Vietnam veteran putting the Medal of Honor around his neck. I'm not sure if Joe went in for a sniff. I'm not sure. It wouldn't surprise me because that's been part of his uh, modus uh, operandi. But then he just walked out. And Corinne Jean-Pierre said, well, the reason he walked out, he wasn't wandering Joe. It was that he didn't want to infect other people. Well, he was already there and he took his mask off. And, you know, the latest uh, you know version of covid, it, it's like all other versions of covid. It's contagious. So the lies aren't making any sense. But the point is that CDC guidelines still say that mask wearing is important. Now, there's been study after study, especially recently, that has shown that by and large, the masks don't work. There was another study that showed that even the N95 masks, you know, you, you, you wear those and supposedly you're protected from COVID. Well, not really. And, and here's the other problem is they get all that bacteria that's building up inside the masks. Not to mention if you're a kid and you're trying to learn how to communicate and you're stuck with this mask on, you can't hear anything. So with all of that being said, Corinne Jean-Pierre yesterday was asked, why exactly is it that we're still following these CDC guidelines when, you know, we see that um, there's all these studies that show that mask wearing isn't necessarily effective? We've asked a lot about the president's use of a mask and CDC guidance, but I want to ask about CDC guidance specifically, um, because there is, you know, going into the fall, kids going back to school, CDC still recommends universal indoor masking for kids in school, students, staff. Um, and it seems out of step with some of the studies around the usefulness of masks for kids. There was a piece in The Atlantic, and I'll just read you a quote from it. It says, we reviewed a variety of studies, some conducted by the CDC itself, some cited by the CDC as evidence of masking effectiveness in a school setting to try to find evidence that would justify the CDC's no end in sight mask guidance for the very low risk pediatric population, particularly post-vaccination. We came up empty handed. So especially with the president going to Congress to ask for more money for a new vaccine and more money for the CDC, should we keep funding these studies if the CDC is not making guidance 
that follows the results of those studies. Here's what I'll say. Uh, we did something that the last administration was incapable of doing, which is putting to forth a strategy to really, truly deal with COVID-19 and this pandemic. They were in- what? 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 You, so you, you just heard what you said. We did something that the last administration was incapable of doing, coming up with a solution to the pandemic. First of all, I would remind Corinne Jean-Pierre, although Donald Trump made some mistakes, number one, not firing Anthony Fauci when he had the opportunity. Although there is some debate, part of the news today, there's some debate as to whether or not he has the authority or had the authority to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci. But one of the big mistakes of the, of the Trump administration, I believe, was adhering to and encouraging the lockdowns. But that being said, if if you're in the in in the sort of the what's right what is it the point of reference or the frame of reference of the Biden administration they're very pro vaccine Donald Trump came up with you know not one but two different vaccines operation warp speed now regardless as to how you feel about vaccines if you have the frame of reference of the Biden administration Donald Trump came came up with he helped come up with those vaccines obviously So I don't know what, you know, there's the lockdowns. That was also awful. Locking down the healthy. That was also awful. Then Biden comes along and he starts mandating vaccines. It seems like both parties completely screwed up and shanked their uh, their response to covid because they locked up the uh, they locked up the healthy people. What they should have done was lock up the sick people or the vulnerable people. That's what they should have done. And now when you look back, you can see all of the mistakes that they made. But I don't know why, you know, cringe on Pierre, when Biden comes into office, COVID is effectively over. The economy is coming back in online and, uh, you know, we've got the vaccines, people uh, around the world and certainly across America that already had COVID. So they've got that natural immunity as well. So that in and of itself is a lie. And so. What's happening is she is being called on the carpet for their continued um, worshiping of the CDC and their guidance. Yet they're, as the reporter said, we have all of these different studies now that are showing that the masks were not necessarily effective and still are not necessarily effective. And she uses that uses it as an opportunity to go after Donald Trump. I mean, that I mean, obviously, that tells you that she's got nothing. While this conversation, this question, by the way, was uh, being asked of Corinne Jean-Pierre. What I what I always you know, you're listening on the radio. So whenever you listen, you got to listen to see if she's, you know, flipping through her big book of lies, which is what I call it. You know, she got the big book of answers right there on the podium and, and she's looking for. Something to say about that particular question. Anyway, here's here's more. We deal with COVID-19 and this pandemic. They were incapable of doing that. We put forth a comprehensive plan and we are now in a different place than we were two years ago, a year ago. We are in a much better place to fight COVID-19 and we have the tools and that includes masking. That includes uh, vaccinations. And as you know, uh, CDC and FDA said they're going to have vaccine by mid-September. And we're going to make sure and con- con- continue to do what we have done the past couple of years. Really? Are you going to drum people out of the military for not having a vaccine? Is that what you're going to do? 
you know, drum people out of the military, going to go into, uh, you know, the private sector. And you are you going to uh, bully Americans and, and bully businesses to fire people who don't get the vaccine? Is that what you're going to do? Cringe on Pierre. I know there's a lot of Republicans that are out there right now saying, go ahead, make our day. Because I believe that there would be uh, no better way to uh, give the Republicans the elections than start coming up with that crap again. You know, she so sanctimoniously is talking about the failures of the previous administration, and there were failures. But for her to sit here on the one hand and say, oh, things are, you know, great now. We have things in place regarding COVID, so on and so forth. Well, the previous administration had a lot to do with what's going on right now as well. In other words, you can't sit here, and this is what politicians do, but you can't sit here and say Donald Trump was totally and completely wrong about everything and then say that what you're doing is perfect because what you're doing is certainly not perfect and you're you're gearing up for more mask mandates. You're gearing up for even more vaccinations. Yet you still won't confront China on what happened at that Wuhan lab. I mean, I I could go on and on, but I think you get my point. Is inform folks, let them know that these new vaccines are here, that they have to make sure to take their flu vaccine and also the RSV. All of these things are incredibly important uh, because we know what works. So we, well, I... I don't know if you know what works, Corinne Jean-Pierre, because there's all kinds of independent studies that are saying now I'm yelling. I get so frustrated because every day, every day I've got to listen to the Biden administration and they tell lie after lie after lie. And you know what? Media very rarely do they call them on it. Now, this particular reporter asking a very relevant question. Why does the CDC still have this guidance for universal indoor masking for kids in schools when not only is it out of step with what we've seen about the usefulness, but you can also talk about the adverse side effects as well and how it impacts development. I mean, she show the, the Biden administration, they are so incredibly shallow. And anyway, let's get back to the calls. People that actually make sense. Mike in San Jose, California is on Red Eye. Hey, Mike, how are you? All right. I'm, I'm kind of nervous because I'm, I'm kind of shy, but it, it's important what, what I have to say. Okay. It's a true story. And uh happened about 50 years ago when I worked with this German lady. She was from Germany, and she saw Hitler, and she got brainwashed. And she told me to watch out for four four things could could happen here, which is already start. what I think already started. One, she said, uh, like Hitler, like Biden, they're going to give you a lot, a lot of, what do you call it, money. Two, uh, see, I'm trying to remember. Two, uh, brainwash the kids in college and mm-hmm. elementary. Three, uh, use hate, like the Democrats using. And mm-hmm. fourth is the, is the media. It's corrupt. Just yep. That's what she told me. Well, and, and, and Mike, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, there's a lot there that you spoke of, and I can't speak to all of it, but there is a lot of um, there's a lot of similarities in especially when you talk about the media and, and trying to brainwash kids. You look at what's going on in the colleges, of course, is, is well known. 
But now you've got all of this wokeness in the elementary schools, in the high schools, as well as the colleges. And you're absolutely right about the media. I joke about the state run media all the time. Because often, and this is part of what Mike Huckabee was saying, and I played you the audio earlier in uh, the broadcast, where the media just allows, and you know, you just heard the audio from Crin John Pierre, the media allows the Biden administration to not only get a, get away with these lies, but they also allow the the constant and perpetual lying uh, about Donald Trump. And so, when you look at all of that in totality. I mean, some of the things that they say about Joe Biden, it's like it's like it's right out of, uh, you know, North Korea. You know, I, I always use the example because I think it's an appropriate one. You know, when they uh, reported that uh, Kim Jong Un, the first time he had a golf ball, he had a hole in one on a 350 yard drive. I mean, you, you see some of the things that they print about uh, or they report about Joe Biden that are clearly patently false, not only about Joe Biden, but also about Donald Trump. There really is something to be said about a state run media. When, when you look at the amount of media coverage on Donald Trump, that is always negative and they completely ignore. They completely ignore what's going on with Joe Biden. That's the, the best thing you can come up with. The only thing you can come up with is that this is a media here in America today that is clearly on the side of the Democrats. And, and it's been going on for a long time. That is uh, certainly obvious. But, you know, part of that conversation also has to be who you trust these days. Is it the media? Is it the politicians? I mean, I think every day they give us more and more reasons not to. And I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis here. We'll return next on Red Eye Radio. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on Compliance Safety Accountability. Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity, and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 866 90 Red Eye, 866 3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. I want to get to some of these calls because folks have been waiting for uh, quite some time. Paul is listening in Detroit, Michigan on Red Eye Radio. Paul, thanks for holding on. Hey. Go ahead, sir. 
Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks I for calling in. Go ahead. Talking about, everybody's talking about Trump and Biden and everything, but they need to look out. They've been talking about Newsom. And the world, Republicans' worst nightmare is a Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmore ticket. Mm. She's going to destroy Michigan and her following California. You know, wouldn't it be, you know, hey, 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 Paul, let me, let me ask you, though. So you say that would be Republicans' worst nightmare. But you're talking about two states, uh, California and, and Michigan, where you have states that are and I don't know a whole lot about Michigan. But I mean, from hearing you talk, it sounds like she's destroying Michigan. I know California is a train wreck. So wouldn't you say that a. A president and a vice president, you know, two people running for those positions. If they're from failed states, do you think that would have an impact on the way um, independents would vote for them? Because if you look at those two uh, states, I mean, they're train wrecks. They're, they're just there's not a lot of good coming out of California. I, I don't know much about Michigan uh, other than what's happening in Detroit and what's going on in Muskegon, by the it way, which is you know that whole investigation into voter fraud. It doesn't matter because they vote Democratic anyway. They've been doing that in California for, what, 50 years? Yep. And look what happened in California. And now that we've got a Democratic governor and Democratic legislature in Michigan, we're going to follow the same way. You know, she's already talking about stopping the tunnel underneath the uh, Straits of Mackinac. You know, she wants to go against clean energy and everything else that's going to just destroy us. Paul, let me ask you a question. Uh, So do you live there in Detroit? I'm outside of Detroit. I'm in Dearborn Heights. I'm a stone's throw away from the border. All right. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. What keeps you in Detroit? I mean, why would it behoove you to move like a lot of other folks have? Well, if it keeps going the way it is, we're going to have to because I'm not going to live under the thumb of Democratic rule. And it's going to be do as we say, not as we do. And that's how it's been with the Democrats for forever. All right, uh, Paul, thank you very much for the call. I, I appreciate it. And I, and I agree. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Bill is calling from Los Angeles on uh, Red Eye Radio. Hey, Bill. Uh, hey, Dan. Uh, glad to hear you're a free agent. Uh, I'm a free agent, too. Former newspaper reporter, you may recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed by these lap dogs playing games with this uh, moronic liar, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, it's just ridiculous because uh, they never would have accepted that kind of nonsense from a, a Republican president's press secretary no no they wouldn't have one of the things uh, my, that my what, question what, as a, go ahead go ahead yeah go ahead i was just i was just say yeah, one I'm, of the things that i would that i would say about um you know the the former uh the former donald trump press secretaries uh, all of them whether it's sean spicer or sarah huckabee sanders um is that you know they they encountered a very very hostile press i mean it they or Kaylee McEnany, they encountered a very hostile uh, White House press corps. Corinne Jean-Pierre, can you imagine, Bill? Uh, she would absolutely wilt under the pressure. Bill, hold on. I know you had one more thing to say and you've been holding a long time. So I want to get to uh, the core of your question or your comment. So stay close, Bill. I'm going to get to you after the break. And the phone number 866-90-RED-EYE.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. I want to get back to my conversation, and uh, it was with Bill calling from Los Angeles. Bill, uh, thanks for holding on. Go ahead. What else did you want to say? Yeah, yeah, Dan, uh, you were talking about the 14th Amendment lawsuit to try to keep Trump off the ballot and uh, what kind of impact that would have. And just if, if you look at the whole situation uh, objectively, like but without any kind of partisan uh, commitment of any kind, it looks to, to an objective observer like this 14th Amendment lawsuit, the Georgia case, the New York case, the Washington case. These are all amateur hour bogus legal actions. And the Supreme Court at some point is going to is going to feel obligated to step in and just stop that nonsense. The big problem for for Trump, whether or not you support him, is that Mar-a-Lago obstruction element that he just, you know, inexplicably walked into literally and just shot himself in the foot. And and people on both sides are just wondering, like, how is he going to get out of that? And that's something that even I think the Supreme Court is going to have a hard time getting involved in because you can you can justifiably argue that Hillary Clinton did a hundred times worse and never got called to account for it. And that's true. But that doesn't help the case that's been filed. And so I think Trump's way out of that is going to have to be to win the presidency and pardon himself and or drop the case against himself. Or the jury in Florida is going to have to do good old jury nullification where they just say this is all bogus and we're just not going to go along with it. But otherwise, he's got a real problem on his hands there. And I I wonder what you think of, of that and what his options are. I think, well, let me let me ask you, Bill. So there there is a couple of issues with uh, Trump and and the documents. Now, number one is the documents were at Mar-a-Lago, just like you you had, you know, um, yeah, Joe Biden. His documents were at the Penn Biden Center. They're in his garage. We, we know all of that. The part of the case that I believe that uh, Donald Trump's going to have an issue with is the obstruction where he. He is accused of trying to, I mean, obstruct the investigation. There's the fact that he's got people that were working for him. And I don't have the story in front of me, but, you know, he's got people that were working for him where the uh, former president is alleged to have said that, you know, they were trying to figure out if they could erase tapes and that kind of a thing. So uh, that is problematic. And even if you are a supporter of Donald Trump, that is something that he is going to have to explain. They're going to have to explain it because they do have witnesses that worked for or work for Donald Trump. And he supposedly, allegedly, they say, gave uh, them directions or instructions on how to, one, move boxes around. And number two, there was the surveillance tapes that the president supposedly wanted uh, erased and so forth. So, Bill, for for you, though, you know, in, in what I'm saying, is that making sense? That's number one. And number two, what do you think is the most problematic out of the Mar-a-Lago case? Yeah, everything you said is true. And in fact, I just heard today that it's come out that his own lawyers warned him not to lie about the location of the documents and that he allegedly did. And that's when the FBI moved in. And again, you know, if if you've got a case of like if, if you lie on your income tax, and and they get and they catch you. It's perjury. And you can say, well, everybody lies on their income tax. That's not going to help you if they prosecute no. you. So yeah. So I, I'm you know I'm at my wits end. 
and and I, I gotta say, I mean, you know, all, all these people are getting, you know, toward either in their eighties or getting there, and I don't know what they're thinking, but they they don't seem to be thinking like the rest of us, you know, and that that includes Donald Trump. And uh, I, I agree that his policies – look, I don't like paying $5 gasoline again in California, thanks to Gavin Newsom and Joe Biden. And you know I, I support Trump's policies. But for the life of me, I can't figure out why he walks into situations and literally waves documents around knowing he's being videoed and then later says, well, that was nothing. You know, and then people say, no, those were, you know, uh, plans to attack right. Iran. You know, it's, it's just I don't I don't I understand think- what he's thinking. I think part I think part of of the situation with Trump is one. And I like Donald Trump. The dude's a bull in a china shop. I mean, that's number one. And, and, and he bloviates. I mean, he just he's a big talker. That's part of who Donald Trump is. But he's also, as everyone knows, he's not necessarily a politician in the sense that he doesn't he doesn't know the customs. He doesn't necessarily know the laws. He doesn't know what he's allowed to do and not to do. I'm not saying that that justifies what he did, but he, he probably, you know, when he's dealing with the FBI and he's he's trying to figure out what to do with all of this. And I've got to throw allegedly in all of these accusations, but he's just trying to figure out a, a way to deal with this. And, you know, the last thing on his mind was that he would be brought up on some sort of an obstruction charge or, you know, whatever. But. You know, that's where we are now. And and, and you're right, Bill. There's been uh, I think even Jonathan Turley, who is a guy that I very much admire. I believe that uh, Turley even said at one point that that's the part where even if you can arguably say that he had every right to uh, declassify those documents and, and he he had every right to have those documents and so on. The fact that he he was trying to hide things from the FBI is problematic. And so I, I guess we'll have to at some point see how this whole thing plays out. There, there's so many of these uh, different investigations, though. And part of the problem that the Democrats have is that and the DOJ has is that there's so many of, of these investigations. And you're right, Bill, when you say that mo- most of them don't really have much of a foundation. They just don't. Or there's a lot of debate either way. Or, as we said, some of this stuff has all been done before you know, by previous presidents and so forth, that doesn't make what Donald Trump is doing, you know, any any more right. It just uh, or any more wrong is just that's not an excuse. So I think the president well, is one, going to have some problems. Well, one, one more thing, Dan, you, you mentioned correctly Biden's possession of those uh, classified documents. And yet Biden had even Biden had no right whatever to have any of those documents as vice president. None. And yet he still had them. And thank you uh, very much for your call, Bill. I appreciate it. I want to say hello very quickly to David in Lebanon, Tennessee, on uh, W on uh, <laughs> not WTN, which is my station here in Nashville, uh, but uh, on Red Eye Radio. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Go ahead, sir. Hey, I was wondering why now. I mean, the Vietnam War was so long ago why is this man just being honored now oh like yeah like 59 60 years after the fact (laughs) yeah is it just a promo for uh for uh um you know just to pump up the biden yeah the 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 veteran cred or whatever i don't i don't know i i I don't know because that does seem like (laughs) a long time 
and 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 he was uh, you know certainly worth it to this uh, this guy very much deserving of the medal of honor and i oh, i don't know if that's typical cuz i don't pay attention to these things i probably should but is it typical that it takes that long to get a medal of honor uh, 60 years after their heroic yeah, deed that's, that's crazy yeah it, it is crazy but I, you know listen at least they did it at least they did it now uh, going back to cringe on pierre i wanted to i wanted to Forgive the term. I, I wanted to blow out, get rid of all those phone calls. I wanted to give everybody the opportunity to speak that had called in and they had been waiting a long time. And so I wanted to get to everybody. I, I want to go back to this this audio bite of uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. And uh, just very quickly, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to force you to listen to that again. But, you know, she was talking about the CDC. She was talking about masks and she was talking about and she was asked the question, why is it that you folks in the Biden administration keep touting the CDC's advice when they keep, um, you know, with their guidance, they keep saying the kids should be wearing masks when there is an abundance of evidence out there that shows that no kids should not be wearing masks. They don't work and they cause all kinds of other problems, especially when it comes to development and their ability to uh, learn. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he was uh, being interviewed and he was asked about this. He was asked about masks and he was asked about a number of different things related to the masking. And, and he was basically asked, why exactly is it that you still support masking? Because there's evidence out there that shows that uh, they do not work. I, I played this audio for you. I want to say it was Tuesday, uh, but it's worth playing now based on the current headlines. This is Dr. Anthony Fauci. When you're talking about at the population level, that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, there's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. But, you know, what's interesting about studies is that there are always going to be studies and studies definitely since COVID, I think we've all noticed that the data can change and there's updates that happen all the time. And so there was this study and this is what he was being asked about. First of all, part of the storyline of that interview with Dr. Anthony Fauci is the fact that he basically said as part of that interview, he said that when it came to the overall scope of the pandemic and all of the millions and millions and millions of people that uh, ended up with COVID, he said there there wasn't a lot of evidence that the the mask mandates had a big impact. Although you just heard him say from an individual standpoint, it is his opinion that the masking did work. Now, it is my opinion that I don't believe that the masking worked. That's number one. Number two I am a strong believer that even if you can prove, even if you can prove that the masking kind of sort of worked, that there are enough of, of side effects or side impacts of the masking, uh, especially on our kids, that it did have the masks had a negative impact 
on our kids. Here's more of that interview. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on, what about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference, none of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. But what was the point then? This is what I said the other night. Well, then what was the point of the masking if it didn't impact the overall scope of the pandemic? It's like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, Dr. Anthony Fauci. And uh, there's a lot more on this. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that straight ahead, amongst uh, other things. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. We'll return next. Dan Matt is here on Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye, 8669 Dan Mandis here. I, I gotta I am so baffled by by this story. And I've I'm gonna do a deep dive into why exactly is it that our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, flies all the way to Kiev to meet with the Ukrainian foreign affairs minister. And they have a high-level meeting at a McDonald's. And there's Antony Blinken. And there's the Ukrainian foreign affairs minister. And they're sitting at a McDonald's. And you've got Blinken shoving, you know, french fries down his throat. And, you know, the guy from Ukraine is saying that he can't really eat a lot there from McDonald's because... His doctor tells him not to. Well, then why in the world are you having this meeting at McDonald's? I don't. And see, here's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. What is the message they're trying to send? Are they trying to send a message that all is so well in Ukraine that they can now eat at a McDonald's and they can have a high level meeting at McDonald's? I just I don't know what the point is. What's the message that Antony Blinken and the Biden administration, because this is intentional. It's not like, you know, they saw the McDonald's and they said, 
hey, let's just go into McDonald's and, and get an Egg McMuffin. What was the intentional message that they were trying to send to the people of Ukraine, the people of America, and Vladimir Putin? I don't get it. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.